What the enemy meant for evil, God meant it for good. Now that may sound like only a biblical cliche to many, but not if it applies to you. Now I want you to imagine for a minute, what would you do as a husband if you lost your job, then your business failed, and then you found yourself homeless twice, and you have three children? What would you do? Would you consider putting your feet where your faith is? How about turn your pain into your purpose and your platform to tell others how you're surviving it while you're still in it? Well, that's exactly what today's guest did. Listen as he takes us step by step to what he calls the seven rings or stages of marriage. Real Men Connect is next. Real Men Connect, episode 55. Welcome to Real Men Connect. Are you ready to be the extraordinary man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be? Then get ready to receive wisdom and guidance from some of the country's most respected men of faith as you learn everything you need to know to go from good man to great man God's way. No judgment, no shame. Just real men with real challenges seeking real change. All for God's glory. Hello, mighty men of God, and welcome to the Real Men Connect podcast, where we help good men become great men God's way. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Martin, and every week we interview some of the nation's most respected and accomplished men of faith to find out what it really takes to become the kind of husband, father, and spiritual leader God called and created us to be. Each interview session is packed with practical, proven biblical principles you can immediately apply in your relationships, on your job, and in your community. Today we have with us Jackie Bledsoe, who is a professional blogger, author, and speaker, but first and foremost, a husband and a father who encourages men through his blog, JackieBledsoe.com, to better lead and love their families. Jackie's new book, The Seven Rings of Marriage, Your Model for a Loving and Fulfilling Marriage, is receiving rave reviews from men like Gary Chapman, the author of The Five Love Languages, and, and Mark Merrill, founder of All Pro Dad. Jackie is also a contributing writer to All Pro Dad, as well as Babbel.com, Good Men Project, and Huffington Post. His work has been featured on Yahoo, USA Football, MichaelHyatt.com, and more. Jackie has been happily married to his wife, Stefana, since June of 2001, and he lives in Indianapolis, Indiana, with their daughter, JC, and two sons, Jackson and Joshua. I was introduced to Jackie through a mutual friend who, after appearing on Real Men podcast, told me that Jackie was a man I just had to have on my show. And I'm so glad today to finally have him on to discuss what he calls the seven rings of marriage. And I can't wait. So with that being said, Jackie, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, Joe, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we had a few technical difficulties in our schedule of trying to make it work, but God is good. And so I'm glad that you made it here on the show. And I am chomping at the bit. I'm excited to dive into your new book and some of the components of uh, the seven rings of marriage. But before we get started, Jackie, I always ask my guests to um, share with us their favorite Bible memory verse or Bible verse that gives them inspiration and why that's the case. So what's your favorite Bible memory verse? Yeah, my, my favorite verse is out of Joshua, uh, first chapter of Joshua, and our son Joshua is actually named uh, based on the Joshua in the Bible, and it's uh, verses 6 through 9. Uh, Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to carefully observe the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you, you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Oh, I love it. I love it. And why is that so inspiring to you? 
And, you know, that was one of the first Bible as an adult, first Bible books that I read completely uh, from start to finish. And just the life of Joshua and how he uh, was, you know, he was more than a conqueror. He did major things for God, but he was always serving God's purpose first. Uh, And that right there throughout my life as a husband, as a father, just as a man, there have been times, you know, when I needed that reminder to be strong and courageous. And as I look at it and think about it. God told Joshua that because he had the, you know, the, the, the foresight that he does that there's going to be a time when you're not going to want to be strong, when you're not going to want to be courageous. There's going to be some things that you come up against that are big and daunting and scary. But I want you to think back to this point, And that's been my life. There have been things that have come up to me that I'm like, OK, this is huge. This is bigger than me. Mm-hmm. But God told me he commanded me to be strong and courageous. And, and mainly he told me to carefully observe the instruction that he gave me. But now you said you named um, Joshua after that that verse. Now, how old is uh, how old? Are ja- you said you have two sons, Jackson and Joshua. How old are they, your sons? Yeah, Jackson is 10 and Joshua is the youngest. He's six. OK, so he has no clue now of why um, he was named Joshua. Well, have you tried to tell him that? We haven't tried to tell him why, but our kids do know what the na- the meanings of their names are. Okay. So he will tell you uh, that he is uh, God's salvation, that he is victorious. Uh, and, and his middle name um, is Evan, too. So he, they, they know their names and they know what it means. And that was intentionally by us so that they knew no matter what they come up against, they can revert back to what we called them and what God called them. And man, I love the name Joshua because it's so strong. And of course, I wish I could go back and um, name my son again. My son's name is Kendall, but I wasn't saved when I named Kendall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but I, I love the strong name. I, you know, I would love to name Joshua or Caleb. You know, yeah. the, I love those names. So I'm glad, you know, we're getting off on a tangent, but I want to bring us back around to why I brought you on the show. But, uh, but I love hearing uh, men, their favorite Bible verses, because that tells me what they get their hope from, where they get their strength from. And th- that's a bold word you just spoke in your Bible memory verse. I love that. Now, Jackie, um, obviously no one creates a blog and writes a marriage book and dedicates his life to helping husbands and fathers learn how to lead and love their families unless he has a story that drives him. So what inspired you to do this kind of work and launch this kind of ministry? Yeah, that, it definitely is is built from my struggle. And it, it started, you know, I, I never knew one that I was a writer that I could write, never desired to, never thought uh, that I would. And then a few years ago, this is probably 2012, two, 2010, actually, uh, I lost a job. So I was, um, you know, and this is after several failures and struggles before as a husband and father. And I just felt that I wasn't doing well as the leader of my family. And, you know, prior to knowing uh, that that was my role, to lead and love my family in that way, it wasn't a big of a deal. But when I realized that was what I was supposed to do and I wasn't doing well at it, it was really hard. And, you know, that failure led me to the the losing of the job, led me to find other means of trying to support my family because I knew that's what I needed to do. And I jumped online. And when I got online, I started a business and quickly failed at that business. So now I got job loss (laughs) and business failure within a period of 12 months. And I'm just like, man, this is terrible. My family needs me. I'm not here for them and I'm not doing my job. So um, I did some study and found out that people that were successful online were starting with blogs. So I was like, okay, let me start writing a blog and let me start writing from where I'm struggling. And perhaps there's some other men out there that are struggling as well that I can help. And as I'm writing through it and preparing to write, that I can grow and, and you know, fill these holes and these gaps of these areas that I'm struggling as a husband and father and leader of our family. And it started there. You know, I started writing and I, and I was writing from a 
personal development standpoint where, okay, here's what I'm going through and here's how I'm learning how to get through it. But most of those uh, uh, posts and, and uh, articles were from the lens of a husband and a father. And though they really gravitate, people really gravitated to that. So I noticed that when I wrote something and it involved interaction with my wife and I, people really reacted. Interaction with my uh, myself and my kids, people really reacted to it versus just me alone. So that's how I got started. And one thing led to the next. God opened this door and that door, this connection, that connection. And you know now it's full-fledged, book written, uh, Bible study written as well, uh, both published and speaking and doing all the different things that God has, I believe, set in, in motion years ago, but I just didn't know it until now. You know, and I, I tell you, uh, when, we, when we were off the air before we came on, I told you I've been going into your material, looking at the stuff that you've written. And I tell you, you are a phenomenal talent and you're you're ahead of where you're where I want to be eventually with my ministry that God has put on my heart to minister to men. And so it's great and encouraging for me to see that somebody is doing it successfully, because, you know, when you said mentioned that first business that you started, you said it didn't work out right <laughs> and it failed. It kind of you know makes you gun shy about pursuing anything else. Yeah. And and doing something else once you failed once. But before we get into the actual work that you do, I, I want to go back to something you just mentioned. You said that um, you realized that you were failing as a spiritual leader, as a husband and father in your family. What what made you realize that you were failing? What caused you to think that? Uh, well, one, our marriage wasn't where it should have been. Uh, there was a point in time, you know, now I'm writing about marriage. So of course, there were struggles out of that, but uh, we weren't able to relate like we're relating now. There was issues between my wife. It, it ended up with uh, uh, intimacy issues. It ended up, ended up with financial issues, communication issues, even issues with our in-laws. And, you know, the big thing that was obvious and tangible is uh, financially uh, through one of the struggles, we ended up homeless. Mm. So as a family, and, and, and the bad part about it, it happened once when we had our, when it was just our daughter and us. And then after Joshua Jackson were born, uh, same situation happened again, failure, um, job loss, and ended up homeless. You know, we weren't on the street. Uh, we were sleeping in, you know, basements of friends. Uh, friends had given us hotel points that they had earned from all the travels and sale, uh, their sales job that they do. Uh, mother-in-law allowed us to stay in her extra room for a while. Friends, it was just, it was a mess. Uh, there was a period of time where we were uh, actually most 90% of our stuff was in storage, but we didn't have enough room in our car or in the room that we were living in with all of our entire family to keep everything. So we would make daily treks to the storage unit to get what we needed, uh, which was which is heart wrenching. You know, that's hard as a husband, as a, as a leader of your family to see that your family's in this situation. So, you know, that's one of the major ones, the major failures that kind of led to a lot of the writing, a lot of the stuff in the book, content in the book is about some of those struggles. But, um, you know, I, I realized in sharing it, because I didn't want to share those homeless incidents at all. Of course not. Right, right. So those were things that like, I can't share that. You know, I want to hold on to that. And then God just got to me to the point is like, you have to. And he just told me this is, I did not allow you to go through this and come out where you are now mm. and not share it. Because there's somebody else that needs it. So every time I've shared it, you know, it's, it's amazing how many people come quote unquote come out the woodwork sharing you know i have a similar story or i've gone through this or we're we're where you were then we're right there now um and that is encouraging to see how god is doing exactly what he said he would do is to use what he's allowed us to go through to help other men and help other families wow that's what a, what an amazing testimony now how long because not only did you go through it you had to go through it twice Right. So how long was those seasons as far as with um, the struggle with you, you and your wife had to go through? How long were those seasons? 
Yeah, there were seasons as far as homelessness or just overall our struggles in our marriage. I would say let's start with the with being homeless because we know that with men that financial being being a financial provider is really weighs heavy on us because we kind of associate our identity with it a lot of times, even more so than we should. But so I know that had to be more pressure on you more than anything else being the man. So yeah. how long was those seasons for you? Yeah, the uh, the first it was in two thousand four, and the first time it happened, and, and that um, I think it was April of that year, and we were we didn't have our own home until I think November of that year. So what's that? Seven months, over half of a year. We weren't you weren't years thankful, but it seemed like years. Every mm. day, every week, every right. month seemed like forever. And you know, during that time, another thing that was so great is how God showed up and just shows that I will never. He honored His word. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Mm-hmm. And that's it, it. You know, He's with us wherever we go, and that's what that word says. Uh, because, like I said friends open up their doors. You know, it might have been a small room or it might have been a basement, uh, whatever it was. People were there to to be a blessing and to welcome us there. So he never allowed us to go completely without. Uh, but what it did also during that time period was it brought us together. You know, it brought us together. As, you know, my wife and I had to come together. We couldn't have these issues. We could, but it was just going to make things worse. We couldn't have these issues between our relationship. We had to come together on one accord to fight them together. So you know, practical things we had because of the circumstance. We, of course, we slept in the same room. We had all of our meals together. So it became ingrained in us to sit down. Force intimacy, right? Force intimacy. (laughs) (laughs) So we sat down and we had meals together daily, all of our meals. So now that's a practice that we do now. And it become, it's easy for us now. But if you look at families now, not everyone sits down and has meals together during the day. Uh, They may sit in front of the TV. Mm -hmm. They may go out to eat. But we do it pretty much three times a day. Wow. You know, not perfect every single day, but that's just what we've come to. Uh, we used to people used to tell us all the time, we never see you guys apart. And what they didn't know was many of the times we were down to one car or we didn't have gas to put in both cars. So if she had to go somewhere and I had to go somewhere. Everybody's got to go. Right. And one time, the one time uh, the friends that let us stay in their home, uh, uh, stay in the room in their home, they lived about an hour from where we lived, uh, the, the home that we lost. So we were an hour away from everything else that we did. So we couldn't afford to be gone back and forth to all the things that we frequent. We had to get one car, save gas, and go together. So some of those circumstances brought us closer and, and enabled us to grow our relationship under some ch- uh, challenging circumstances. Wow. So you're talking about a period of seven months that, like you said, probably felt like seven years back in 2004. When yep. was the second time? How long was the gap between that and the second time? Yeah, the second time was actually in 2012, which is uh, after I started blogging. So this, at the beginning of my blogging, I started my first blog post on JackieBletso.com was February 10th, 2012. Mm -hmm. So September through, I think it was again through November. uh, Actually, it was uh, early September and October. And at the end of October, we moved into, and this wasn't a great situation, but it was in a... a, uh, uh, like a corporate housing unit at apartments. So it's basically for people who are in transition that are really kind of coming there for a week or so, but we used to have to pay a weekly rent to stay there and weekly rent to stay there. Mm-hmm. And every week we never knew if we were going to make it or not. Yeah. <laughs> so we were in a, an apartment. The apartment was two bedrooms. We had five people. Our, all our kids slept in the same bed. Um, it was it was a mess. That was a, uh, about a 60-day period. And then we were in that apartment for about another four months before we were able to find a home to rent. And, uh, you know, it was... It was Again, those two months seemed like forever. And there was even a period of time when I had a weekend that I had to be away without my cell phone while my while my family was on their own. Uh, so that was 
that was one of the worst. And, and, and it was a blessing. I was going to a weekend retreat uh, that was paid for by someone else, but it was a blessing. But at the same time, I'm like, my family is going through this without me right now. Wow. You see, and the thing is, I know we want to get to to talking about the, the seven rings of marriage, but I mean, the spirit is just lead me to this story is compelling to me because I know that there are men out there who are struggling, especially being a provider. And like I said, we, t- we tend to attach our identity to that um, falsely. But my thing, I mean, I got a million questions for you, Jackie, because <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at the strength of your marriage today and what you guys have been able to build. Um, I can't imagine what the conversations were like between you and your wife. Um, if you don't mind us kind of peeking in, I know we get kind of nosy, but what were the conversations like? Did you know? Did she believe in you? Did you believe in yourself? Were you guys arguing about this? Well, how Jackie, could you, how could this happen after we've been through this? What, what was the environment like in your home during this time? Yeah, the, the environment uh, at points uh, could be volatile. Uh, it wasn't necessarily hollering and screaming and, and, you know, and all that stuff. That happened early in our relationship. Right. <laughs> we got past that point uh, <laughs> when it when the, wasn't really the finances, it was other things. But, uh, you know, it, it was very, very challenging. But one thing that, you know, that I do give credit uh, to my wife is, she was never the one, won't you just make enough money or won't, can't you keep a job? She, mm-hmm. she never did that. She always supported me, but did she always believe in me? No. And we've had conversations about that and I didn't always believe in me. Right. So we, we were, we were both in that similar situation, but she never pulled back in su- her support for me. And I never, ever questioned that our relationship was not going to make it. So I didn't have to worry about, okay, because I'm messing up here, now I got to worry about her leaving our relationship or going outside of our relationship or anything like that. So she was very, very gracious and supportive. And the biggest thing is, and I say it all the time when I talk about my wife is she's a prayer warrior. Mm-hmm. So she was going to bat when I wasn't praying, she was going to bat uh, and fighting those battles in the spiritual realm, which I know many, many victories have come for that. And I know um, that is one of the major reasons, if not the biggest reason, uh, that we were able to still be together in our relationship and not kill each other and you know, <laughs> right. not just be resentful and, and all those things. I never really sensed that. Uh, she was, she was uh, gracious. She was uh, empathetic, sympathetic, because she knew it was hard for me. And she knew that it wasn't intentional that what I was doing. So, but they were trying times in there and, you know, we had conversations. We didn't, a lot of the, the, what happened was the result of some of my decisions mm-hmm. financially, uh, business wise, career wise, and all those things. So I made those decisions and she didn't always agree with them. She didn't turn around and say, I told you so right. after the fact, which was a blessing to me. Now we're going to, and I'm going to see if we can transition out of this. Because I know so many marriages that, and people I talk to that, and I, I just released an episode on how to make sure that money doesn't destroy your marriage. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we just interviewed um, a great guy named Darius Carter, and he was talking about how it's not really the money that destroys the marriage, but it's our inability to communicate about the money. Yeah. And so I, that's why I was asking about how you guys interacted. But just so we can transition out of that, because I do want to get into the seven rings of marriage. What did you learn most from that experience of going through the financial hardships twice, um, dealing with your wife and having to deal with the lack of belief in yourself? And but yet she's still supporting you. But even she's questioning now some of your decisions. If you and that maybe might be too tough of a question, but to summarize in in a short answer. But what did you learn most from all of that from that experience? What you walk away with? 
Yeah. I, I, one, I learned that God is faithful, mm-hmm. that he would do exactly what he says he's going to do. We never went without, you know, we, we are the epitome of the, the sometimes sound like cliches of checks in the mail. You know, we received checks in the mail when we were down to our last dime mm-hmm. or our accounts were way negative and we, we were going to be even more financially de- uh, devastated. So that's the big thing that, uh, that I learned is, is God is faithful. Uh, but I also learned is to prepare, not just for, uh, I have a, a tendency to see the vision and only be prepared for the vision happening that way but not be prepared for setbacks, for failures, for challenges, for going another way. So we would get into those ish, uh, challenges because we didn't have finance, we didn't have savings set aside to weather the storm. We weren't prepared for this not working out the way I expected it to work out. Mm-hmm. So as I look at it, just being better prepared with our finances and um, not just finances, but you know, career. Okay, if option one don't happen, you know, what, what, what's option two? And be ready for that. And I was usually slow to react to that. So just be a little more um, quicker to respond and change directions if necessary. Now, and I, boy, I tell you, what seems to me that seems so courageous on your part is that as you're going through this, to think that you're inspired to want to help with marriage is, is, is crazy because I would think everything in you will have been doubting yourself that who's going to listen to me. Um, you know, I can't possibly be a good example, but it seems like what you did, and you have to share this with me on how you made that transition to do it, is that you decided to bring the world into your life. What allowed you to do that? What gave you the fortitude to be able to think, I still can help a lot of couples with this? Yeah, I, I did doubt. You know, I, I, that was big. And even even today, I sometimes like, man, me, when I, when, when I get these opportunities, you know, we were on the 700 Club, my wife and I, I'm like, why are they asking us? You know, <laughs> right. uh, you got these different interviews and opportunities and speaking engagement, I'm like, man, not us. But I, I did doubt. And, you know, like I said, what um, I believe the Lord placed on my heart is like, I'm allowed, your, your marriage is bigger than you. Mm-hmm. So everything that you're going through in here is not just for you. And you don't have to have it all figured out for them to learn and to get better and to help anybody else. That's my job. Your job is just to share from your perspective what I've done and what I'm doing and how it impacted you. Right. right. And the rest is up to him. And I've gotten more comfortable in that. And ironically, when uh, my wife and I were young and we were just dating and stuff like that, she used to joke and call me Mr. Mysterious because I would never let on what I was thinking, what I was feeling, any of that. So now here I am full circle and whatever happens pretty much gets shared. And, and, you know, (laughs) no matter how embarrassing, no matter how challenging, no matter how much I'm frustrated with it, it happens that way. So uh, that is just God just letting me know that what I'm doing I'm not just doing it for you. So right. don't just try to solve the problem and you feel good about it because you got on the other side. But you need to be willing to share what I've done because otherwise people won't know and people are going to think either you did it or people aren't going to see how how I brought you out. Right. Man, that's a good word, Jackie. That is a great word. And and I can relate to what you're saying about how your wife calls you Mr. Mysterious and said, and now this dude is writing about everything that's happening in right, our lives. Right. <laughs> people. But I feel the same way about even working with the men's ministry now and working with men and ministering to them. But the fact is that I had a, a very um, low dis, um, trust for men. I, I distrusted him because I've been felt that I've been so mistreated by men in my entire life growing up. And so to think that God would call me now to say, okay, I want to give you a heart for men. It just blows right. me away. That shows you how big our God is. Right. Right. You know, yeah. when they say you can take your mess and turn it into a message, 
Yeah. And so that's what he's doing. And also it's turned it into a ministry for you. So that is awesome. Yeah. Now, now we're going to transition into the um, seven rings of marriage <laughs> because I can't wait. I mean, I, 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 you know, I've read the first chapter of your book and I'm getting ready to read the rest of it because I always love reading great books on marriage. And your first chapter had me intrigued. And I said, I can't wait to find out more now hearing the rest of your story. Oh, I can't wait to dive into it now. Yep. But you said that the seven rings of marriage are really stages of marriage that all couples are um, that they go through um, in a healthy marriage. Could you quickly tell us what those seven stages are, those rings, along with a brief description so we can unpack and discuss each one of them in detail? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the first ring is the engagement ring, which is kind of obvious. That's the beginning. But what's important during the engagement ring is that is actually when you, whether you know it or not, you are setting the foundation for everything else that's, that's going to happen in your marriage. So it's important to know what type of foundation you want to set and start setting that. Um, ring no, and interrupt me if you want to stop and ask the question sure, as I'm going right through. Ahead. Please do. Um, second ring is the wedding ring. You know, it's kind of another obvious one that goes with rings. And that is where you are actually coming together. You've said I do and you're committing your life to this person in marriage, um, you know, till death do you part. So that is a part where you're really coming together in a committed, but a covenant relationship, mm -hmm. um, not just be between you and your spouse, but between you and God as well. Uh, and the third ring is the discovering. And that's kind of, you think of it uh, on a funny side where you come together and now you're living with this person, your lives are coming together and you're like, wow, you know, you're shocked. I didn't know that about them. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Which can sometimes be scary. Uh, but it's also you learn about yourself, too, and how you relate to other people. But this discovering is really all about learning more about your spouse and make, being intentional about being a lifelong learner for your spouse. So you want that to happen throughout your marriage. And then typically after that, you come together. This is when you start facing some challenges. And that's the fourth ring, the persevering. And people always, or actually a guy came up to me and said, uh, man, you missed a ring. And I'm like, I missed a ring. He said, the suffering. So I nod. I said, all right, all right you, you got a point there. But what, what, when we sat down and put the rings together, we didn't want any ring to have a negative connotation. Right. So right. persevering is, you know, the suffering can be in there, but persevering is now you're at that fork in the road, you know, it's conveniently the fourth ring right in the middle and you got to choose. Do I want to go this way and stay in the marriage and work together? Or do I want to go this way and get out of the marriage or go this way, stay in the marriage, but don't care if we're happy or fulfilling or anything like that. So persevering is your choice to stay in this marriage and make the best of everything that happens in your marriage. All right. And the, and the next ring is the restoring. And after the persevering, things are broke hearts, uh, you know, your marriage might be broken. There's broken pieces. There's broken hearts. There's all kinds of things. And now it's time for you to put it back together. And that's where restoration or the restoring comes in. And it's really built on forgiveness because both husband and wife are going to sin, are going to mess up. Right. And that's where we got to be forgiving so we can restore. Uh, and that's the fifth ring. And the sixth ring is the prospering. And that's what we all look forward to when we say I do. You know, that's the, the quote unquote happily ever after mm -hmm. that we're looking for. But what really you learn at the prospering is that you've gone through all this stuff. And yeah, you, you still have problems. You're going to still face some of the same challenges that you did early on in, in the engagement and, you know, the first few few rings. But now you have a different perspective and these issues don't trip you up. The little issues don't trip you up like they used to. So that 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 uh, silence period that you go through in marriage sometimes it won't last a week like it used to. Maybe right. you know an hour, mostly a day, if possible. You know if you even get that point. But now you just see it differently. And then lastly is ring number seven, and that's the mentoring. You know, and that's the the uh, ring that we're God has blessed us to where where we are. We realize, like I said, God said that your marriage is bigger than you. So now we have the obligation really to share what we've gone through and what God has done in our marriage to other couples to help them. And, you know, I look at it like this. I'm like, if all we go have gone through 
it's almost a crime for us not to share that with another couple to help them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let me go ahead and review that for our listeners. You mentioned the engagement ring, the wedding ring, discover ring, <laughs> persevering, restoring, prospering, and mentoring. Yep. Now, with those, you say that basically they're just stages of marriage. So so do you, you, you can't be in all those stages at the same time. Is that possible? Or is it just kind of like a progression as you go through it? Yeah, it's it's more of a progression, but it is a possibility that you could be in the discovering and the persevering. Mm-hmm. You know, those kind of go hand in hand. But also, like I said, with the discovering, that is a commitment that you want to do ongoing. So right. you want to continually learn. You want to take pieces of whatever stage you go through throughout the rest of your marriage um, and be able to share it. So and it's not that you go from the engagement ring all the way to mentoring and you're done. You don't experience them anymore. You could come back and face another problem that that gets you in the in the persevering. That could be health related. That could be financially related, like us. That could be infidelity, hmm. uh, or that could be somehow you guys got into this rut where you're just not communicating. And now here you're back, and you like, how do we get here, and how do we figure this out? So, once you go through the rings, they're not necessarily done. Um, and naturally, it is a progression. It kind of progresses that way naturally. But you know, don't be surprised if you see um, pieces of one more than one ring, but primarily you're going to be finding yourself identifying with one ring at a particular time uh, to, to, to a large part. Okay. Now what we're going to do, we're going to unpack each of those rings and this is where we're going to do it, Jackie. I want you to take us through, starting with the engagement ring of where, you know, tell us, take us into where you and Stefana were and what was the, the thing that you, you, if, you know, if you struggled with that or what happened and what was the thing you learned in each stage before you went to the next? Does that make sense? Yep, it does. All right. So let's start with the engagement ring. Take us back to when you guys were in that stage. Tell me um, briefly about what happened in that stage and what you learned from it. Yeah. Uh, disclaimer, Stefan and I did everything pretty much wrong during this stage. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so now, that's where a lot of this is uh, built from. Uh, we that what we teach couples now, uh, what we ascribe to now, we didn't do. You know, the, right. the foundation that we talk about is a foundation rooted in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So our marriage was not based on that. So a couple things. One, we were uh, we were intimately re- we were having sex before marriage. So we grew up in, you know, where we grew up in our town, we're from the same hometown and in a school in a high school environment where uh, casual sex, that's what you did. You hooked up. Right. So um, that was normal to us, not abnormal. So we actually uh, were, were doing that uh, before we got married. And our daughter, we uh, were pregnant with our daughter before we were even thinking about marriage. Mm-hmm. So when our, we were born, our daughter was 10 so or 10 months old, I'm sorry. Uh, we did not take the time to set that foundation. We didn't do couples counseling. Right. Uh, we didn't root our relationship in Jesus Christ. We were doing whatever we wanted to do, however we wanted to do it. I, before we got married, was unfaithful. So we learned through some of that trial and error mm-hmm. through that. But um and I don't know if you want me to keep going and break it down into the next one, the, the wedding ring. I can kind of. Yeah, go right ahead. Just transition into the next stage. So so we learned that from that you realize now that you guys made a lot of mistakes in the engagement ring stage. And now in hindsight, it's 2020. Uh, you you tell couples now, I, I'm assuming that what were the pains that were the results of yep. making some of those mistakes in that engagement ring area. But I guess before we move on, though, Jackie, yep. so what advice would you give someone in the engagement ring stage? Yeah, I would say, number one, your foundation is be equally yoked. I don't see how people make it without both parties having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So make that your foundation, because that's what we figured out later on, is that if we can agree that that is the foundation to our marriage and to our life, 
then no matter what other things we disagree on, we can always come back to that. Right. So that foundation is huge. In in the book, I talk about the cornerstone and Jesus Christ as a cornerstone. And if you're from, if anybody who is familiar with engineering knows that, okay, the cornerstone is that first piece, that mm-hmm. first brick mm-hmm. that you that you lay, and everything else is laid up against that. Right. So you know, go against it. So it means everything comes back to that. If the cornerstone's not right, then that building's not going to be right. Right. If you have right. a cornerstone of your marriage is not right, then that marriage is not going to be right. So that's the main thing. But I practical things, you look at uh, couples counseling, getting your finance, talking about your debt um, and where you were, or if you have debt, or if you don't, how you manage your money. You, that is going to be a crucial part, as we've learned in your relationship, how money is managed. Talk about what you want to do, your dreams, your goals and those things like that. All right. So now we have the engagement ring. Now let's go into the wedding ring. Tell me about what were you guys like in that in that stage? Yeah, this is, like I said, you commit. This is your covenant relationship. We kind of got our pre, quote unquote, premarital counseling after we were married and we were having problems within about a year. We were blessed to meet a couple through a class that we took at, at our church uh, as a marriage class. And they really taught us God's word and principles for marriage. And that formed and shaped us. And one of the biggest things that they taught us and it saved and it kept our marriage together during those most uh, challenging times when we were just young and didn't know any better was that divorce is not an option. Mm-hmm. And you hear that all the time in Christian circles. Uh, but, you know, they took it to another level and they took it to a point where they said, we don't even discuss it. We don't joke about it. We don't threaten or say we're going to leave you in jest or anything. It was literally when it, we homeschool our kids and we have banned words in the house in their English courses. Uh, it was a banned word. So we didn't mention divorce. None of that. We didn't mention leaving none of that. So that foundation helped us to do that uh, because we took it so seriously that we immediately captured that thought and took it captive and, and got rid of it if it ever came into our mind. So, you know, I'm not going to say we were 100 percent perfect, right. but being so aggressive and serious about it helped us to weather that. You know, I say early on, that was what kept us together is we were trying to figure out how to stay together and taking that stance and that serious stance really, really helped us. And Jackie, that makes so much sense now based on what you shared with us earlier about going through those that season of financial difficulties, because I'm thinking that if most people would that would be the end of their relationships and they're looking at how to get out of it. But go, but you guys going through the wedding ring stage and having that foundation and realizing that, hey, that this is not going to even be an option, us not sticking together. So you're saying that was what prepared you guys to go through as we get through the discovering and the persevering yeah. <laughs> stages of marriage. Yes, so let, yes. Let's go ahead and transition to the discovering, because I know with that, that's learning your wife. And tell me, what were the challenges that you had in that that particular area? Yeah. Uh, and I should have known this. You know, sometimes you, that somebody said that that person that you were dating uh, is going to be the same person. You know, they, they're not going to change too much from that. But um, for me, my wife always talks about uh, <laughs> it's, it's little stuff sometimes. Sometimes it's little stuff. This is little stuff. Uh, me and my, my dirty socks not getting into the hamper. Mm-hmm. That used to irk her. That used to bother her a lot. And it never got into the hamper. And to me, it was no big deal. And no matter how much she asked about it, they'd probably still be right there laying on the floor. And I think they still let, there might be a pair on next to my bed right now. If I walk, <laughs> <laughs> and then for me, uh, you know, I discovered my wife was very, she always took her time. Translation, she was late a lot. Yeah, late. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a challenge to me um, that, you know, man, we can't get anywhere on time when we're together. And that really, really bothered me. And she seemed to not ever be in a hurry when I was you know, kind of the motor and, and pushing and going. But on another level, we discovered not just about our our spouses and what was bad about them, but we discovered more about ourselves too. Mm-hmm. So for me, I discovered I was very selfish. 
And to this point, I lived my life, you know, I'm, I was the youngest of three and everything I did was geared towards making me happy, you know, through college, through, after, you know, right after college and all that type of stuff. Now we're coming together. Not only do we have another person in our marriage, but we got a child. Right. So I really quickly realized that, man, I'm very self-centered and focused on me. And yes, my wife today should probably say he's still dealing with that. But <laughs> that, that is something that we work out. But what we ultimately learned was, one, even today, I'm still learning new things about my wife. Mm-hmm. She's still learning new things about me. But what makes it even better is when we intentionally seek to do that. Because some stuff you're just going to learn through experience. But other stuff, when you're seeking it out, that's a whole nother level because now you're studying your spouse and how you can better relate to them, how you can better serve them. And that's crucial with the discovery. And so your advice in that particular stage would be? Intentionally seek out to learn more about your spouse. Intentionally. And I guess that's the key word, to be intentional about learning your wife. You know, I say it's not just important to love our wives. We have to learn our wives. And the Bible tells us to do that. And so I'm glad. So be intentional about learning and discovering your wife. Yeah, okay, now this persevering, which we know is probably one of the most challenging stages uh, for couples. Tell us a little bit more about that. What did you guys experience doing that stage and what did you learn from it? Yeah, you know, and I, I mentioned the fight, the homelessness, and that's the big one that many people like to hear. But, uh, you know, there was a period in our in our relationship early on where, you know, we weren't even dating. So we weren't dating at all. So we're trying to build a relationship and the relationship's having troubles and we're not dating. So we realized that, you know, now we uh, have on the calendar a weekly date night. We're not perfect, but it's on there. And that's our goals. Every week do we have a date, but there was a period of time that we weren't, you know, we miss a week, we miss a month, we miss a couple months. It was a period of years where we weren't even dating. So the part of our relationship that brought us together was completely cut out. So that caused communication issues where we didn't have stuff to talk about other than family business, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the kids schedules and our schedules and money, which is always a volatile you know, subject because we were struggling with it. So um, that was really a big thing is just trying to figure out, okay, how do we better relate? There was a period of time when there were some in-law issues um, that we had to deal with. And those actually brought us together. We didn't fight one another about it. We came together and said, if the issue's out there, the issue's out there. We're going to f- confront it together. Um, so those were th- some things that we had to choose that, you know, there was intimacy issues where, I'll say it from the man's standpoint, since we're talking to men, mm-hmm. I wasn't having sex like I thought I should be having sex in marriage. Right, right. <laughs> and that's right. real, you know, and to her, it wasn't that big of a need. So mm-hmm. there was a conflict there. So any, you know, all these different areas, intimacy, communication, you know, lack of dating and, and just experiencing and enjoying one another, the finances, we experienced all of those, uh, the homelessness. And um, end of the day, because we chose to persevere, we had to burn all bridges behind us. And we had to say, no matter what happens, we're going to make the best of this. So we can't go the divorce route. What can we do to fix this or to make this better or at least to come together? All right. And so because at the same time, you're giving us some advice in that stage. So basically, what do you what do you what advice do you give to men now who say, you know what, this is just too challenging for me, Jackie. I understand that you guys persevered through this. You went through this. Um, What how can I make it through this? What general advice would you give them to get through this particular stage so they don't quit and throw in the towel and give up? One big one for us is get help. Uh, okay. We had help in the form of two ways. One, the couple that I mentioned earlier that that taught us God's word for uh, God's principles for marriage, they served as 
co-counselors. Uh, they counseled us, marriage counseling. Um, they they pray with us, and they just helped us through those times. The wife would pour into my uh, wife, and husband would pour into me. So we had someone that we could go to who was wiser, who had been through more of these things than we had to help us see perspective and give us advice on how to get through. At the same time, we were part of a small group of other couples that we were living life with that were pretty much the same stage of marriage and life and kids and all that type of stuff. So we walked hand in hand. Now, I don't, I don't know how much time we can share, but I'll share this. Uh, I'll try to briefly share this story. Go right ahead. An example of that um, is a couple in that small group, um, good friends of ours. So there was a period of time where Stephanie and I were having major issues and we weren't talking. And it finally got to the point, and this is days, you know, it might even been a week or more, uh, just not having a conversation, living in the same house. It was just our daughter at the time, passing ships mad. Finally, we tried to have a conversation and it just got to the boiling point and I couldn't stand it. Uh, so I, I left. I grabbed my keys and left, went out the house. Now, I wasn't leaving the marriage, and I don't know if she thought that or not, but I just couldn't stand being in that moment and not getting my point across and not being able to connect. So I left, and I just determined that I'm going to drive. I'm going to ride out until, you know, I don't know when. And finally, after coming to my senses, and, you know, I think, I don't know how, in, in Indianapolis, there's a 465 is the interstate that goes around the city of Salute. So I don't know how many times I went around, but, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if I just got tired of doing that or ran out of, getting ready to run out of gas or just find like, this is crazy. I have nowhere to go. Let me go home. So I decided to come home and, you know, I'm not sure what I'm going to come into because, you know, I left abruptly. Had, I didn't call her. Um, you know, we hadn't talked to each other. So right. no telling what she thought, you know, and keep in mind that before we were married, I was not faithful. So, you know, that could have brought back all those mm -hmm. old feelings and memories. Right. Um, so I walk in the door, I open the door. We were in an apartment at the time and our apartment has a long hallway to the right is the kitchen, little door to the right, right past that to the right is the dining area, which is open across from the dining area on the left is our family room, living room area, small apartment. So I walk in there, I open the door. First thing I see is my buddy, uh, one of my best friends sitting, lounging in my living room floor, wearing my basketball shorts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, right. Oh, <laughs> so right. I look, you know, I look and he kind of looks at me and just looks down with a sheepish look. And I'm like, what, what, what? You know, I'm already upset. Right. Coming back, right. trying to figure out, you know, how am I going to justify me riding out and leaving, not talking, all that type of stuff. Here he is wearing my clothes, lounging. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I'm like, what is going on? So I walk in there and as I close the door, I, I hear voices um, in the kitchen area over here to the right. He's in the living room to the left. I hear uh, a voice in the kitchen area and it's his wife and my wife talking. So I'm like, okay, I start to, you know, put two and two together. And I'm like, okay, this, this is an intervention. Mm -hmm. And they're here for me because I made the dumb mistake of leaving and not saying anything. So apparently what happened was Stefana uh, was frustrated and hurt and, you know, not sure what's going on. And wives had talked and she let her know what was up. And they uh, said, okay, cool. We're coming. They literally, both of them work professional jobs. So they wore suits to work. They literally picked up their son from daycare, left. Now, they live a 50-minute drive. They're on one side of the Indianapolis suburb, we're on the other side. 50-minute drive, so literally out of town. So they drove there in all their work clothes, and that's the reason why he's wearing my shorts. He needed something to wear. But they committed to stay until we worked it out. Wow. Basically, at least wow. we came together and we communicate. So praying with us, talking with us, lounging in my shorts with us. And <laughs> <laughs> wow. But friends like that in our group helped hold us accountable because no telling how long that would have went on or what would have happened next if we didn't have someone to come in and one, hold me accountable. Cause I'm sure he wasn't patting me on my back saying, okay, right. it's okay. You're right. No, it's like, bro, you, you need, you can't leave your wife and your kids <laughs> not knowing where you are. Yeah. You know, I, I know I'm wearing your shorts and you're mad at me right now, but <laughs> this is for your good. So having people like that in your life, couples, 
mentors is is going to help you through the persevering. Jackie, that is great stuff. You know, I'm always um, telling men and sharing with men that we need three types of men in our lives. We need a Paul to kind of show us the way. And we need a, a Barnabas, someone who's going to tell us the truth. <laughs> and yes. we need a Timothy who we bring up and we show them the way. But yep. you made me think about it. We also need those type of couples yep. in our lives as well to hold us accountable to our marriage. Because that's what you're hoping the brothers will do. But at yep. the same time, I think it helps when you have a couple who's doing the same thing. So, man, what great friends, man. You are yep. so yep. blessed to have that. Oh, yeah. Let me share this real quick stat. Sure. I, I read a stat that um 70% of men who had affairs mm-hmm. would not have done it if they had one true friend. Wow. So wow. seven out of 10 men who committed affairs, they said, if I had one brother that I could talk to and be honest with and they would hold me accountable, I would not have made that decision. Wow. Where'd you find that? That is Man, awesome. I have to look it up. I, I think I've written about it on my blog. I'll have to find it and share okay. it. Okay. And then I might go search for it and look for it myself. That is an amazing Amazing stat. And, you know, I guess I'm not really surprised because that's what I expect. I think that's why we, God wants us to have accountability. Yep. You know, so, but man, that is, that's, wow, that is crazy. Yep. Okay. Now let's, let's, let's get into the restoring because that's a big thing for a lot of marriages who've gone through some, some trauma. And I think you mentioned that in the restoring phase that that's where forgiveness takes place and you kind of put back the broken pieces. So tell us about your life in that stage and what advice would you give someone else? Yeah, we are all we all fall short. You know, we are all sinners and a lot of our relational issues are having to do with the sin in us. So you got two people coming together that aren't perfect trying to live together. Um, we're going to sin and we're going to make mistakes and that's going to rub the other person wrong and hearts are going to get broken. Pieces are going to fall apart, but we have to be willing to forgive. If we can't forgive and really get good at forgiving mm-hmm. and having that same grace that God gives towards us, then we can't get past those stages. We can't fix those things. And, and that's where it is because I may never pick my socks up off the floor. Right. So you got to forgive me for that. You know, we may be late for the next three appointments, five appointments, every appointment we have. I can't not have a conversation with her, not talk to her and relate to her like she should be related to as my wife because of that. I've got to be able to forgive and we've got to be able to move together, move move forward together and not apart. And that's the biggest thing. If, you, if you're married, um, you know, I, I think I mentioned this in the book, you got to get good at forgiveness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, you got to do that because it's going to come to that play. And it, it could be something as minor as socks on the floor. It could be as major as infidelity. Right. But God has called you uh, to have grace and forgiveness as well, because that's what he's given to us with Jesus Christ. So, Jackie, you're saying that so it pretty much the advice would be that we have to get good at um, forgiving. So I'm going to ask you a, a deeper question with that. How do you get good at forgiving? Do it over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep no. doing it over and over again until you become no, good at it, right? <laughs> I, I say that jokingly, but but that is uh, that is pretty. I'm serious with that. Is right. that you know it's hard, you know, and it's just grace and and really yeah, the it's about perspective. You know what what you're not perfect. How much has God forgiven you for? Right. You know how much how much what what price was paid on the cross for you? Mm-hmm. So now you know you you're not you're gonna hold something. Uh, that your wife did, that is nowhere major in, in comparison to some of the things that you did. Right. And that's really what's helped me, you know, and then I still did. I'm not perfect with it. I still deal with it. Sometimes I'm like, man, that is really messed up right there. Mm-hmm. You know, and as men, you know, from a husband's perspective, sometimes we get tired of being the one that has to go back and say, I'm sorry, and, you know, re- get things back and, and restore things. But as leaders, we have to take that first step. You know, God is holding us accountable for our role in the relationship. Yeah. No matter what she does or doesn't do, mm-hmm. he's not going to hold you accountable for that, but he's going to hold you accountable for how you respond to it. 
So respond with grace and forgiveness is what we have to grow to. And it's like anything else. It's this developed thing that we go through over and over again to get to that point. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right on target with that. We had a a guest on the show share that he says love is saying I'll do it first, right? You know, and so and that that takes a commitment. And so you say we have to get good at forgiveness, but what you're also saying, Jackie, is that we have to make sure we don't get spiritual amnesia to see what God has forgiven us for, right? <laughs> and the right. grace and mercy He's shown us. So that, that's exactly. good stuff, man. All right. Now, the last two two stages, I don't think most people would struggle with that because they want to get to those points. But let's talk about the prospering and mentoring stage. Let's start with the prospering. You said that um, it's usually the happily ever after phase or stage of the marriage. And but, you know, but still you have to have your challenges. Tell us about your time spent in the prospering. What does that look like to you and Stefana? And what advice do you give someone who's in that stage and not to take it for granted? Yeah. Yeah. When, what we learned and this, we actually learned this from, uh, we, we did a summit, a marriage summit. We interviewed uh, 20 other couples mm-hmm. and one of the couples in there said that, uh, you know, what they, we, I forgot the question that we asked them, but they said, what was ironic is that some of their worst stages in their relationship, some of their most challenging stages were their best. Wow. Uh, and so that's what we, as we look back to, we didn't realize that. And then we look back, but some of those hardest times, the homelessness, when we were sharing meals and doing everything together and finding ways to do stuff that, uh, had to be free and or whatever it is, that was some of the greatest times in our marriage. So the prospering is not that you got all the money in the world, mm-hmm. you got the white house or house with the white picket fence and mm-hmm. everything is going great. You and your wife are having, you know, great sex uh, and and you're doing everything that you ever want to do, great communication. You may have that, but you may not. But it's the perspective that man, this is amazing what God has given me and this woman in this relationship. And, you know, if you have kids and, and our family as well and keeping that perspective in mind and realizing that what we're and then what we're going through, um, one, we're able to sustain it and God is right in here in the midst of it. So it's really about your perspective and realizing that, wow, in these challenges, look what we've got in these great times or when things are clicking and communicating, look what we've got. But you are choosing to have joy in your relationship when you're in that prospering. Right. So I'm hearing you say basically I count your blessings and having an attitude of gratitude. What other advice would you give someone in that prospering, that prospering stage? You say, oh, I got this. We're just great. What what advice would you give them? Yeah, don't get caught with that, with, with that level of everything is good because one, you can always improve. Mm-hmm. And I, I was caught off guard with that one time and uh, we went to a retreat and they asked us, they gave us two separate pieces of paper, rate your marriage. And there were several different areas on a scale of one to 10, 10 being great. In this area, one being worse in this area. And we were at opposite end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I thought things were going well. So right. don't get caught up in that and just continue to choose the joy, continue to choose that, okay, this is a good thing, but continue to keep working towards that. And if it doesn't pan out and everything is not what you expected it to be, don't make that the entirety of your relationship. Right. That's right. just one of the seasons that you're working through. And all things work together for good to those who love God and call according to his purpose. So expect that this is working out for God's purposes in your life. Right. Good stuff, man. Good stuff, Jackie. Now, that last stage, mentoring, because obviously you would not even be on this podcast today if you were at that stage. Um, but take me back to when you first found yourself in that stage. You guys as a couple, uh, what was that like and what advice would you give someone who's entering that stage? Yeah. And don't think that there's a certain point you have to get to in your marriage before you enter the stage. And that was the mistake that we made at first. All right. So early on, I mentioned the small group and things like that. Well, when we were young and having the most 
craziest challenges in our relationship and we thought we were that crazy couple, we would, for some reason, stood out the other couples. You know, and couples would come to us uh, for advice, uh, for help, for whatever it was, uh, or if they had a challenge, and we would not really embrace that. So we were always kind of like, mm, you know, we don't want to get in their business. Or two, if they only knew what went on in these four walls, they wouldn't be coming to asking us for advice. Right, right. <laughs> so that kept us from really engaging at that stage of our relationship with the, you know, the little bit of experience we had and the mentoring. But later on, many of those relationships didn't make it. Hmm. So we were now we were dealing with friends and family who'd gone through the heartache of divorce and it hurt us like we were going through the divorce. And um, not that had we engaged, that was going to save their marriage. We're not saying we were their savior for that. But what we realized is that we could have played a part and we could have embraced it. So later on, you know, we're still having challenges. We're still, you know, homelessness, financial issues. We're still going through all that. But now we're choosing to share it. Hmm. So, you know, the mentoring is really wherever you are. Whatever stage you're at, you have something that is valuable to someone else if you let God get in there and use it as well. So I encourage wherever you are. We, we first looked at it by answering this question is what would, would our children want to get married based on what they see in our marriage day in and day out? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we had to come together like, man, we could honestly say yes. So we had to figure out what impression, what role, what what are we showing our kids through our marriage? And then, you know, that led to the next thing. We realized other couples were watching us. Um, a, a buddy of mine told me that the day I see you and your wife get divorced is the day I give up on marriage. <laughs> so he was wow. dead serious. Yeah. And I was like, dude, you know, one, that's a heavy weight. Yeah, man. <laughs> just drop no pressure. <laughs> right, right. And two, it's like, you don't know the real of what's going on in our relationship and behind closed doors. So whether that be making sure that you're modeling marriage so that way your kids see a healthy marriage or making sure that you're ministering one-on-one to this couple over here or whether you're speaking at in a small group at church, on stage or books, whatever it may be, your story is valuable and helpful to other people, especially when God has gone in there and you realize that and you can share that. And Jackie, that is so good. And I like the fact that you that you're letting us know that you don't have to have, quote, the perfect relationship. You don't have to have been married 55 years before you can start pouring into the lives of other people who are watching you. I like the fact that the mentoring stage could start at any time because people are watching you. They do want to know how are you getting past this? So it's not about perfection. It's about that progress. Yep, so, yep. so I love that. Now. Yeah. I want to, it's time for us now to transition, Jackie, into what we call the man up questions. And these are just five quick questions starting with the letters M-A-N-U-P. And all they require is fearless honesty on your part. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. And we'll get started right after this short break. We'll be right back with Jackie Bledsoe. If you're like most men in our audience, you're committed to becoming the man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be. But the truth of the matter is you struggle with either finding the time or knowing where to start. That's exactly why I created the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint to give you a step-by-step, easy-to-follow guide to spiritually leading your family, even if you're a new believer. Now, you can't buy the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint, but you can get it for free by signing up for our free e-newsletter. By signing up, you will be notified anytime fresh content is added to my site, so you don't always have to visit my blog to stay up-to-date on the latest information. Now, to get your free copy of the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint, just visit realmenconnect.com and simply enter your name and email address on the form on the page. So if you're tired of trying to figure it all out and fit it all in as the spiritual leader, provider, and protector of your family, don't miss your chance to discover how to be the man God called and created you to be. Sign up today at realmenconnect.com.
we're back with our guest today, Jackie Bledsoe, the author of The Seven Rings of Marriage. The Seven Rings of Marriage. And he's ready to take on the man-up questions. And Jackie, the, the we start with the letters M-A-N-U-P. And the first letter M stands for mistake. Okay? Now, what yeah. mistake did you learn the most from as a man? Yeah, we we talked about this and we alluded to earlier with the homeless story, but really not this is a big one in our in our relationship in our family is not taking better care of our finances and mm. preparing for a down period. Uh, you know, led to homeless periods uh, for us, led to financial devastating times, and you know we're still climbing out of those periods. But now I know, you know, from those mistakes is that I need to better manage what we have. Of course, try to increase it, right? But be prepared not for success and things going as I hope but for things not going as I hope or any setbacks and failures. Good stuff. Good stuff. Now, the A represents attitude. And Jackie, you work with a lot of men and you write for a lot of men on your blog. If you could change one attitude in husbands, what would it be? It's that our work is not done. We're not yet done. You know, whether you've reached a certain level of success or even a certain level of failure, setback, and you just settle, this is it. You know, this is as good as it's going to get or as bad as it's going to get, can't get any worse. God created us to make a major impact on people in this world as men. So no matter how successful or unsuccessful you think you are, there's more work to be done in your lives and the lives of others around you, in your marriages, your families, and your community. So don't settle. Keep going forward and don't have an attitude where you're just complacent. You know, and I can hear uh, like thousands of women out there saying right now, amen, brother, say that again. <laughs> because, you know, you ever notice when you're married, you kind of think that you've arrived and your wife just humbly reminds you, oh, you ain't right. there yet. Right, right. <laughs> so we we got some going. work to do. Right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Now, the N stands for next. And you're doing a lot of great things, Jackie. I said that you're, I'm, I'm watching you now, even as a model for me of what God can do with this ministry and where he can take it. But um, what big thing would you attempt to do next for God if you knew you couldn't fail? You say I'm being prepared for what if kind of right. scenarios, but what if you couldn't fail? What would you attempt to do with, for God right now with your ministry? Yeah. Um, one, just continuing what I'm doing to reach men, but you know, on a larger scale, using, and these are some things that we are in the process of working on, uh, different mediums, podcasts, mm -hmm. uh, doing video, of course, more speaking and things like that. But um, my wife and I are actually working on doing a, a site uh, together and doing something together because oh, okay. e everywhere I've gone, this is funny. Um, uh, my buddy told me, it's like, now everybody, the cat's out the bag. Everybody knows who's really behind uh, all this. <laughs> it's not you, it's your wife. Because <laughs> everywhere we go, whether we're speaking, whether we're being interviewed, they want, and we talked about this too, they want to hear Stefana's viewpoint as well, or they want to read what Stefana's thinking on it as well. So I did a blog survey and uh, overwhelmingly, the thing that they wanted pe people wanted me to add to it was more content and more of Stefana. So we're in the process of launching something where it's together. It's marriage focus. We'll talk about our kids too, but um, mm -hmm. I'm super excited to that because that's one of my dreams is to have a family business where we work together and we're even finding ways to get our kids involved too. How cool is that? And I'm glad you told me that because that's good information for me to hear too, to know that. I told you I had my daughter on the air in our last episode and one of our episodes that I, we just aired on Father's Day. And I had a blast doing that. And eventually yep. I would like to bring my wife on, but, and I can't wait um, when you guys launch that together. That's going to be an amazing ministry, man. Yep. I'm excited. Thank you. Now the you represents understand. Now, when you were younger, Jackie, what was the one thing you didn't understand about being a man that you understand better now? Yeah. And this is maybe not specific to just being a man, but just about life. Mm -hmm. And it's really just about the importance or the impact of our decisions today and how they impact our lives tomorrow. 
Um, you know, I talk about that in the book a lot and some of the things where we didn't, and I just didn't know better. You know, I didn't know how they would impact us later. You know, the, the relationship, the way we came together, how that breeded, you know, some, some trust issues and things like that. But we could have saved a lot of heartache and headache had we just realized how those choices, those small choices over time impact and lead to the life that we have today. And that's the biggest thing I could say is, man, I wish I had a better understanding of that when I was younger. Right, right. Makes perfect sense. Now, the last letter is P and requires a little bit of vulnerability and it stands for problem. Now, as a mighty man of God that you are, Jackie, what problem in your life do you still struggle with as a man even today? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, I, I would call them the two C's and that's mm-hmm. complacency and consistency or a lack of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and just being transparent is when things are going well, I have a tendency to kind of take it easy. Right. Like, like I mentioned earlier about, you know, about the men and, you know, we're still got work to do or things are going well. I'm OK, cool. I'm, I'm good right here. Um, but uh, when things or, you know, get lax, but when things are hard or pressing, that's when I get those results. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, OK, now I got to do it. Backs against the wall. I got to do it. So my biggest problem is just not getting complacent when things seem to be not pressing on me and to remain consistent over time. And which is going again, those choices today are going to impact what happens tomorrow. Oh, that is great, Jackie. And thank you so much for uh, being so transparent and honest with us. And you did a great job on the man of questions. Now, and man, we've come to the end of our show for today. And I, I got to tell you, this has been a, a great interview session with Jackie. And and I'm hoping that Jackie would want to uh, come back and return to be on the show because he has so much to offer. And Jackie, uh, even though we're closing out the show today, if the people wanted to get in contact with you, how could they find out more about the work you're doing on your blog or the book? How could they find out more about you? Yeah, uh, just go to my site. And I actually have a special page set up for your listeners to come and check it out. Okay. And it's just my site, JackieBledsoe.com slash Real Men Connect. So go there. That'll have any links if you want to connect with me on social media. It'll have information on how to get the book. It'll have some free resources for you you can download. And it'll have information about uh, the the, uh, platform that my wife and I will be soon launching as well. So go there and that'll be ready for you. You can get whatever you need to get. Connect with me however you need to connect with me. Well, we appreciate that, too. And what we'll do is we'll add that to the show notes as well. So um, also the links to your blog and and because I mean, they really should check out um, your blog, JackieBledsoe.com, because I mean, there's such a wealth of information on it. I know I'm going to be a regular reader on your blog as well. So we'll put that in the show notes. So thank you for making that available to our our listeners. And guys, uh, we'll be doing this all again next week with a new guest, with new insights and new lessons. So make sure you don't miss it. And please do us a favor. And it's so important. Take about 30 seconds or so to go over to iTunes and rate the program. It's the best way to help us get this program in the hands, ears and hearts of men just like you. And please don't keep us a secret. Share us with your friends. So until next time, I'm Dr. Joe Martin, your man builder with RealMenConnect.com, reminding you that we are males by birth, but we are men by choice. So each and every day, choose to be the man God called and created you to be because a male is a terrible thing to waste. So until next time, stay strong, stay blessed, and as always, stay in God's grip. Thank you for listening to the Real Men Connect podcast with Dr. Joe Martin. Real Men Connect isn't just a podcast. It's a mission, ministry, and movement to help good men become the great men God called and created us to be. And the best is yet to come. So if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps us to build the podcast and to reach, teach, and impact more men, all for the glory of God. And make sure you check out realmenconnect.com 
to get our free tools and resources to help you go from good man to great man God's way. Again, that's realmenconnect.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.